we have an unfortunate phrase in English that says, I earned their trust. In reality, we cannot earn trust. Trust is something that others choose to bestow upon us. Hello and welcome to Love as a Business Strategy, a podcast that brings humanity to the workplace. We're here to talk about business, but we want to tackle topics that most business leaders might shy away from. We believe that humanity and love should be at the center of every successful business. I am your host, Jeff Ma, and I am always ready to have conversations and hear stories with real people, real experts, and real businesses in mind. My guest today is the founder of Strategic Leadership Development International. For over 30 years, he has helped leaders and executives perfect their professional skills, attain peak performance, and discover new dimensions of satisfaction and fulfillment. His experience includes being decorated decorated three times for his groundbreaking work in computerizing the naval intelligence community, serving as CEO of an international humanitarian organization, being a successful author in leadership in other fields published in over 20 languages, professional speaking, podcast hosting, the list goes on and on. I actually does not even fit on all my pages. So just trust me. The man has done a lot of things. Welcome to the show, Dr. Mike Armour. How are you? <laughs> Thank you. It's good to be with you. Wow. What an introduction. I wasn't sure how much to include or how much not to, but I was impressed. It took took like five minutes to read even just, <laughs> just the list. So, well. <laughs> so I'm excited to, to gain from your wisdom and your experience. Um, but that always leads me to the first pressing question for me is, um, it's kind of a two-parter. One, like today... What is your, your passion and purpose? And, and also, I'd love to hear with so much that's happened for you, how you got here. Like, how did you, what's the story? I mean, maybe the short version, because I think there's there's so much in there from the Navy to being a CEO and all these other things. Um, but yeah, what's your passion and, and, and how did it get here? Well, when I finally took the time to sit down and think back over my life and try to identify those moments when what I was doing had me so enthralled that time all but evaporated, or when I was drained, but then something happened that gave me the energy to to rejuvenate my, my focus and to rejuvenate my drive and go for another hour or two just on the energy from that experience. What I discovered was the common denominator in those types of experiences was that it was working with someone, training them, teaching them, explaining things to them, introducing them to something new, and uh, the light went on in their eyes. There was an aha. Yeah. And as I reflected on that, I began to see that the things I had enjoyed the most through all my very diversified career were those moments when I was giving people insight and clarity on what they were needing to do to take things to the next level. So if someone asked me today, what's your purpose? Um, I describe it as helping people succeed by giving them insight and clarity. And uh, I can facilitate that in a lot of different ways as an executive coach and leadership coach, but also, uh, in community service, in ministry, and the college classroom where I have been. There are a lot of venues in which 
I can take that purpose uh, to, um, to fruition in the lives of the people that I want to touch. I love that. And where you've reached today, I know you've, you're actually, uh, I would consider you an expert in many different uh, facets um, and experiences. Where do you kind of place yourself the most, where are you the most confident in, in, in giving people that clarity in that, in that direction? What type of topics? Well, three or four seem to be themes that I naturally come back to in conversations with people. One, very much in parallel with what you're doing with your thrust, is to put a high emphasis on values. In fact, in training leaders, I tell them that as important as a compelling, clear vision is, being clear on their core values and being true to those is more important in the long run to the success that they have as individuals and that their organizations will have than is even clarity of a vision. And I came to that realization when I was beginning to work with a lot of high-tech companies in the late 1990s when the world of IT was changing so fast, software capabilities were expanding so quickly that by the time a group got their vision defined, it was becoming obsolete <laughs> because yeah. the, the, there was just continual churn in what companies had the capability of doing. And it was there that I began to realize that if people were clear about their values and used them, them as buoy markers to stay inside as they responded to new opportunities that came along, in the end, they would get to a good place. And so I began then to put more emphasis on values up front than getting the vision clear and crisp. Mm. So that's one thing. The other thing that is important out of that is that values lead to a second emphasis that's really important for me, and that is building high trust organizations. We are in a world in which there are three kingmakers that will determine the degree to which we succeed. The first is speed, being faster than the competition and bringing our product to market or delivering it to the the person who has asked for it. The second is uh, agility, the ability to change direction on a dime because the unexpected is always just around the corner for all of us. Mm -hmm. And uh, the third is innovation. Uh, if we are not continually working on speed, agility, and innovation as a core asset within our organization, we're going to be left in the dust. We're going to be trampled by the competition coming by us because they're trying to get faster, more agile, and more innovative, and we better join the parade. As a result, those three things occur most effectively in a setting of high trust. And so the, I've got a trademark on the phrase trust-centered leadership. I began to keynote on that 20 years ago, and it is a theme that I keep coming back to uh, in fact, I just posted a podcast this morning on the challenge we have in the United States with the fact that trust in our courts is now at the lowest level it has ever been in our history. What is our future as a nation if we lose trust in our courts to mediate the disputes that inevitably arise in a 
society where individualism and competitiveness are among our most celebrated values and virtues. Maybe not orally uh, do we celebrate them, but in terms of how we live, individualism and and, uh, competition certainly are dominant forces in our culture. And those have the potential to become centrifugal forces that just tear this society apart if we don't maintain trust in one another and trust in the courts to arbitrate our disputes. So those are sort of the things that are my primary thrust, uh, the the importance of values and the importance of trust uh, being at the heart of them. I love that. And, and, you know, what you say about trust obviously hits very, very much home for me. It's something that we talk about all the time here. And it's, it's a simple topic, but it's also a complex topic. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe you wrote a book on this entire topic, did you not? Right. Uh, Leadership and the Power of Trust. Uh, I wrote it uh, about 15, 16 years ago. I've just recently revised it, made some minor revisions that I've got available in an ebook form. I haven't taken it to hard copy uh, yet, but uh, as, and, and that grew out of a series of experiences right after I started my firm here in Dallas in 2001. I would be called into a number of companies, uh, professional groups, um, even nonprofit organizations, um, who would say, we'd like you to come in and consult with us because we've got a communication problem, or we've got a slow decision-making problem, or we've got a customer relations problem. I would accept the engagement, go in and start peeling back the layers of the onion, and would inevitably find down underneath there somewhere, either unrecognized, unaddressed, or unresolved issues of trust. Yeah, They were not even aware those issues were there until I surfaced them. But once we surface them and address them, then the problem they hired me for began to solve itself because collaboration opened up, communication and accountability opened up. And all of a sudden, this mediocre company or organization began to perform at a level it had never been able to attain before. So that's where I got the idea that trust uh, really is powerful. And we need to look at the power of trust through the lens of what we as leaders are doing to foster a trust-friendly atmosphere within the organizations we're responsible for. So so help me define in through your lens what a trust-friendly atmosphere looks like. First of all, it's important to remember or, or to, to recognize that trust is as much about how I feel about people and institutions as it is about what I know about them. Uh, we sometimes try to build trust in people by doing what you did when you introduced me, giving, giving a list of credentials, giving a, a, a list of um, experiences that somehow make this person trustworthy, credible. But the fact of the matter is that no matter what I know about per, a person, uh, trust is going to be uh, formed as much as anything around how I feel about that person or that organization as what I know about them. Yeah. And so in order for an atmosphere to be trust-friendly, people have to feel five things. 
they have to feel safe. And I mean by this psychologically and emotionally safe more than just physically safe. The, obviously there are companies like railroads and mining operations and manufacturing centers that need a, an emphasis on physical safety. But I'm more concerned when I talk about safety about the emotional climate and the uh, uh, the atmosphere of of safety in which in which a person doesn't feel that uh, they have to worry about what people will do with their transparency and open sharing. They don't have to be concerned about retribution being taken because they voiced an honest opinion. Mm-hmm. They they feel safe. Yeah, and then they need to feel informed. If leadership isn't interested in keeping me informed, I'm not likely to trust them or anyone else who purposefully keeps me in the dark. Uh, I don't think they value me very much if they're not willing to take the time to keep me informed. So we've got to be safe and informed. The third thing people have to feel is respect that they are heard with respect that when people are talking about them, they're talked about with respect. They that the atmosphere around them is free of racist and and ethnic and other kinds of slurs that would suggest a disrespect. Uh, this, certain kinds of humor are not accepted in the workplace because they're not respectful of people, their their sensitivities, uh, their needs. So safe, informed, respected. All of this then going toward feeling valued. Uh, just yesterday, I was working with a, a, manu- a, a, plant manu- a plant manager for a manufacturing company here in Dallas that hires primarily uh, recent immigrants from all across uh, the Hispanic world. So he's got Venezuelans and Chileans and, and Guatemalans, all kinds of people working on his plant floor, most of whom speak almost no English. And I was asking him what he felt it was most important for, to do in order to help these people become loyal to his employment. And uh, he said, helping them feel valued because they have left everything behind. They've left a culture they're familiar with, a family they're close to, have come to a, a country where they can't even speak the language on the on, on the gamble that they can somehow make it here. And yet it is a society in which they don't get very many messages that say, you're really valued. We're glad you're here. <laughs> and he said, I want them to feel valued because that's probably thing that the thing they're missing most from their life right now. I thought that was an interesting and insightful comment on his part. Uh, they, so we want them to feel valued uh, and then we want them to feel understood. When I make a decision as a manager, I may not be able to do what the other person, uh, what everybody wanted me to do, but if they feel safe, safe enough that they could be straightforward with me to share their in their suggestions, recommendations, and feelings, and I've kept them informed, I've treated them with respect, and I've taken their suggestions in a respectful tone, and I've communicated to them that they're valued, if they then feel that I understood what they suggested, but decided to do something different, they're 
they're capable of accepting my decision, even though it goes against their preferences, because I understood them and I valued them. So that's the characteristic of all the companies I've studied that have had a high trust environment. There's been a sense everywhere in that company that as an individual and as a group, we're safe, informed, respected, valued, and understood. That's very clear, very, very, like, very direct in, in summarizing kind of these elements. They make absolute sense to me. I always kind of, I always framed it in my mind as when you talk about trust broadly, if you ask somebody, hey, do you have trust in this team or do you have trust in someone? There's, you know, three high level ways that they can define that, right? There's mm -hmm. the expertise trust, like how I introduced you. There's the reliability trust, which is has this person historically shown up for me predictively. Mm -hmm. And then there's the relational trust, mm -hmm. which is a lot of what you just listed just falls under that last category. And studies right. have shown, right? Studies have shown that um, the first two categories of trust can be basically easily lost, but easily rebuilt. Um, mm -hmm. And if you lose one element of that, it hurts your overall trust. But you combine all that, it's nothing compared to if you lose relational trust. If something happens to the relationship, not only is it most damaging to overall trust, but it's also the hardest to rebuild. Exactly, exactly. The, the, the trilogy that I use, uh, which somewhat parallels what you're talking about, at least in one dimension, is that trust takes on added dimensions as the nature of the relationship changes. So in a social relationship where we're friends that have met at a networking event and we strike up that kind of social relationship, the only thing it takes for me to trust you is that you give me evidence that you're a person of good character, hmm. that you're not, you're not out uh, with some, um, uh, some wicked <laughs> agenda in the background. You're, yeah. you're, you're really, straightforwardly who you say that you are. But if you then become my dentist or my surgeon, I want you to be a person of good character because I don't want you to gouge me on my, my bill. <laughs> but at that point, what you called expertise, I call it competency mm -hmm. becomes really critical. You've got to have character and competency to be trusted in the professional arena. When you step into leadership, then a third dimension of trust comes into play. And that is that you've got to get credible results that match the desired outcomes of the organization or the people who make up the organization. You could be a person of great character and be professionally quite competent. But if as a leader, you don't get the results people want, they may still trust you socially. They may still trust you professionally. They won't trust you as their leader. They will look for someone who can get the results that they are there to achieve. Makes a lot of sense. I like that. I'm gonna I'm gonna shift my my trilogy over to yours from now on. <laughs> no, I, I I like yours. I was just thinking I've got to find a way to to borrow yours. <laughs> well, that's how we do this podcast. I love it. <laughs> I want I want to shift over to I guess mistrust or, yes. or bro broken trust. Cause yes. um, as we both agreed on uh, that relational trust and all these elements of being safe, informed, respected, um, it's a delicate balance. And as humans, we tend to fill in blanks 
with our own narratives. We make assumptions. We assume ill intent of people. We it, it's just part of being human, and it often leads us to take actions and misbehave with one another, and and you know lash out, react, all these things. Mm-hmm. And so it's it feels like at times that human nature leads us towards a state of mistrust when it's not intentionally worked at. Um, what in your experience is kind of a the, the right way to to make sure you build trust in an organization, but also how to bounce back when when the environment is already filled with mistrust? Yeah, really good questions. Uh, as you were saying that, I was uh, thinking of uh, a quote once that someone said, it takes 20 years to build a reputation and 10 minutes to destroy it. Uh, it, it, uh, it, uh, you create a trust environment. Once it's damaged, what do you do then? You are correct that there is a, there is something of a tendency within us to slip into distrust, not necessarily across all of humanity in the same, to the same degree. For instance, uh, I've done a lot of work in Russia and a lot of work in Ukraine, and particularly in the Siberian portion of Russia, the default position that people take when they meet you for the first time is distrust. Uh, And that's because of their family histories of why they're in Siberia to begin with. Uh, It's because they know their government misled them and lied to them for generations when the wall came down. They really believed, because that's what they had been told, that they had the most advanced culture and civilization economically on the face of the earth. And then all of a sudden, when the barriers to the outside world were dropped, they began to see that they had been deceived all this time. Lots of things have happened in their history. Uh, The pervasive espionage that was part of the Soviet system, their default system uh, is to not trust. We Americans tend to default toward trust. We meet someone for the first time, we assume they're honest, Uh, we'll watch them, but we're not distrustful of them. So then why does distrust get into the works in a culture where trust is our default position in building new relationships? It basically comes back to lack of information failure of leadership to keep people fully apprised of what's really going on. Because there's not a deeper drive within us as human beings than to make sense of things we experience. That's why as soon as children start talking, they drive us crazy with why, why, why? It's not that they suddenly thought of that question, They've been wrestling with that for some time. They now have the facility of language to put their question to the world and hopefully get a response. But through all of our our life, things disturb us when they don't make sense. And we've got to find a way for them to make sense. The way we do that in the absence of information is to speculate. Mm -hmm. And speculation almost always leans towards something negative or adverse in the works. I've said many times in the 
more than 60 industries that I've worked with in this phase of my career as a leadership development specialist, I'm yet to hear anyone in corporate America say, you know, the, uh, the executive team has been meeting behind closed doors for four hours every day this week. Man, I bet something good's about to happen around here. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll never hear that <laughs> because when we don't know, there is a system in the brain that kicks in a brain that is more predisposed to recognize danger than it does safety. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, pre-modern man living pretty much in isolation with it, just me and my comrades and family around me up against nature and whatever it throws at us and the marauders when they come through, we have this defense mechanism in us to notice danger quickly. And because we are so prone to notice danger quickly, speculation tends to elevate the possibility of danger more than it does the possibility of promise. And that then starts creating anxiety. Anxiety as it grows turns into fear and fear and trust cannot coexist. In fact, when a company asks me to do a, a survey of the strength of trust within their organization, what I usually do is go in and measure the level of fear and anxiety because to the degree fear and anxiety are dominant, I know trust is in low supply. Now we know from recent neurological research that we can't even run trust and fear simultaneously in our brain. It's not wired to do that. Uh, in fact, the stronger our fear, the less the portion of our brain that generates trust is able to function uh, without a lot of censorship. Uh, fear simply overrides that capability within us. So you're exactly right. Uh, distrust easily forms unless we communicate, communicate, communicate. And that's why the other thing I've never heard in corporate America is, you know, we don't have any communication problems around here. <laughs> I can, I can be, be assured that there are communication problems wherever there are humans. Uh, and the more we communicate, the more people will feel informed and feel that they are valued because we took the time to keep them informed. And therefore we neck, uh, nick, uh, or nip speculation in the bud before it has time to do its damaging work. I love the way you put that. That was, that was amazing. And I, I think it's so important for people to, to wrap their heads around that concept, whether you're a leader or otherwise, because that human tendency plays itself out too often um, in the background, right? Mm -hmm. because, because to us, they're truths. To us, the, those perceptions are reality. So right. it's, it's, it's not just, we don't always catch ourselves speculating. Mm -hmm. um, and one of the hardest things when we work with folks is to practice what we call assuming good intent. Yes. Um, because, because the word assume is in there and you have to assume <laughs> and you know what happens when you assume. Uh, so, so I love that you kind of laid that out clearly and scientifically because I think, yes, communication is, is absolutely the answer and the key. But we also, as, as entire cultures, have to practice assuming good intent, understanding that we are all a part of this communication chaos that we create. Right. 
around these things. Um, my last piece around this is, I guess, directed at what what is, I know there's not one answer, but what besides communicate, what are we need, needing? Let me put it this way. There's the conversation around transparency in an organization mm -hmm. around, hey, here how the numbers are looking, the financials, here's what our next move is strategically. Um, but then you find that leaders are themselves human mm -hmm. and many, many of their decisions and many of their, their things that they're dealing with are not always on the, the business realm. Sometimes it's from a feeling. Sometimes it's they're having a bad day. Sometimes <laughs> they're, they're doing human things as yeah. well. Yeah. So uh, I guess I just wanted to hear and confirm from you this communication, communication, communication. Does that also include that realm of transparency, being vulnerable with as, as leaders about where you're at in that space? It really calls for leaders to have the self-confidence that they allow themselves to be seen as having feet of clay like everyone else in the organization. And that means transparency includes being free to say, I really don't know, mm -hmm. or that one caught me off guard. People will then say, he's really like me. She's really like me. Uh, I can I can trust the genuineness. We talk about transparency. I, I'm more inclined to talk about genuineness. Mm -hmm. Do I feel that this person is genuinely to come back to your word in your organization, humane and human? Yeah. Uh, are they projecting this aura that they want us to believe that they're almost a demigod in their judgment and their uh, wisdom and their insight and their vision? Those kinds of leaders don't engender a great deal of trust. One of the things that I say in my keynotes, especially, I, I build around this point quite a bit, is that we have an unfortunate phrase in English that says, I earned their trust. In reality, we cannot earn trust. Trust is something that others choose to bestow upon us. Trust like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Nothing I do can compel someone to trust me. What I can control is acting in such a genuine, trustworthy manner that I make it easy for them to invest their trust in me. So the emphasis for leaders is on trustworthiness, not on building trust. Because coming back to your comment that trust is very heavy, heavily relational, one of the ways they're going, uh, people are going to decide whether they want a relationship with me is whether they see me as being trustworthy. And thus, we're back to my triangle, to that character piece again. Even though as a leader, your trust is going to largely be determined by your concrete results, you're not going to have the trust to get those concrete results if you aren't trustworthy at the level of character. Wow, powerful stuff. I love I love that reframing. I'm gonna start stealing. I'm gonna steal that and use that as well from now on. So this has been great. Well, good. I wish I wish we had so much more time, but I wanna also save time uh, to talk. I want to hear a little bit about uh, your book and your podcast and anything else uh, that people might be able to find for you 
um, if you don't mind. Okay. Well, the podcast is known as Upsize Your Leadership. It's uh, a featured podcast on the C-Suite network, but it's carried by all of the major platforms, Spotify, iTunes, and those. So it can easily be found there. I'm actually in the process of developing the outline for a new podcast that I'm hoping to have underway maybe by the fall uh, that will be an interview podcast like this one instead of just uh, me sharing my thoughts as the upsize your leadership is. Uh, the new podcast is going to be called Brave Hearts, and the subtitle is going to be uh, Inspiring Stories of Courage, Character, and Common Sense, because okay. I think all three of those are in short supply today. <laughs> and so, <laughs> I, I, want a, uh, I, I want a podcast that gets people to thinking about the places we all need to stand courageously in what's going on around us, where we need to show common sense in our decision-making, and um, uh, we also have to manifest character in everything that we undertake. Uh, the, the book, uh, Leadership and the Power of Trust, is available on Amazon, uh, and uh, that's probably the simplest place for most people to find it, but they can write me at mike at leaderperfect.com, and uh, I'll be glad to send them a, a copy and, and bill them accordingly. And uh, the book has, uh, has been widely read, widely utilized, but some of the illustrations I used in it were getting a little dated and I needed to bring it up to date. So that's uh, the reason for the recent revision. Uh, my website is leaderperfect.com. It's a very deep website. It's about 600 pages long because it's got 20 years of a newsletter of newsletter archives and podcasts and, and um, uh, it's uh, blogs, plus just a lot of information pages about the, the services that uh, my firm offers. So that's uh, substantively how I go about making a dime now and then. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. Armour, I really, really, truly appreciate you taking the time today to come share and discuss with me. I've had a lot of enlightening moments. I love hearing how your experience has been able to break down uh, this topic of trust that's so near and dear to me. So thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thank you. It's been a real joy. Awesome. And to our listeners, thank you as well. As always, please check out our book, Love is a Business Strategy, also available on Amazon. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please continue subscribing it, telling your friends, all that good stuff. And so with that, we end this episode and we will see you all next week. Thank you so much. Thanks.